I'm Lemuel Gonzalez, repentant sinner, and along with Amory Armstrong, your heavenly host, I invite you to find a place in the pew for today's painless Sunday school lesson, Without Works. In today's episode, we discuss Marjorie Taylor Greene's most recent act of blasphemy in Not Necessarily Good News, and Lemuel will lead a conversation on the place you don't want to know in The More You Know. Marjorie Taylor Greene, professional gadfly, professional bully, anti-Semite, anti-Catholic, and tantrum-throwing child, said this recently when addressing the arrest of former president and professional mountebank Donald Trump. You made me say the things that she said. (sighs) Sorry, everybody. Trump is joining some of the most incredible people in history being arrested today, she said during an interview with the Right Side Broadcasting in New York. Nelson Mandela was arrested, served time in prison. Jesus, Jesus was arrested and murdered by the Roman government. Equating that man to Jesus Christ is blasphemy. Now, this is something I want to discuss with you. She's, uh Yes, I know. She's one of the most vile people I've ever witnessed with my face. And I, I, there's a couple of things about the people that she represents who put her into power that I don't understand. And one of them is, for all those people who are claiming Christianity, how they can support her after she makes a comment like this. Because they believe the same thing. Anybody who voted for Marjorie Taylor Greene has similar thoughts about Trump. They just do. Which is amazing because... I don't I, understand it. Because I have... The the two people that she chose, though, Nelson Mandela and Jesus Christ. Yeah. (sighs) She's the worst. Like, I don't... I, I know we need to talk about her. I don't understand how her colleagues on the left don't mm-hmm. punch her in her face when right. she comes at them, the way that she comes at them. Full Karen at all times. You mean full Karen at all times? I would punch her in her face. Uh-huh. I wouldn't even realize it was happening. I don't think she would say something, a slur would come out of her mouth, and then I would backhand her. Like, I, There's no way that I could be in a space with her. I am not safe for Marjorie Taylor Greene. I am a danger to her. Her and uh, that Bobert young lady. Right, well, see, because the... <laughs> Although what, that woman is strapped at all times, so maybe I don't mess with her. The idea that we live in a constant heightened state of fear in this country, and that's become a, we've become aware of that... Or that um, in other countries, where I became even more aware of that this morning, they're looking on us as some sort of strange, really. Oh yeah, they're watching us society. break. They're like, oh no, they're breaking down. Right. Um, and it it's not untrue. the The number of mass shootings we've had already this year, the number of shootings just in the last two weeks, mm-hmm. from recording this, of people who were shot for being in the wrong, literally in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right, and that 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 got them killed, but or, or to shot. a level of terror mm-hmm. that is being uh, propagated. propagated by Trump, 
Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, the entire Republican apparatus, and the moderate right. left people as well. They're, they would like us to remain in fear as well. Um, we're just... We're feared of the wrong things. We're feared of the things that are not hurting us. The people who still stand behind him and speak of him like he's a great person, mm-hmm. I, I don't understand the amount of double think that they have to have going on. And, and I, I fully don't understand whether they believe it or whether they are saying these things because it's what the people who voted for them mm-hmm. want them to say. I don't know. I don't know Do you- if... She, like. I believe that Candace Owens doesn't believe most of what she says, but she does believe she's going to get paid if she says it. Right. That I believe. But that her job is different than a Marjorie Taylor Greene. Who's, who's a fanatic, it ostens- seems. She is a fanatic, but she's also ostensibly a lawmaker. Right. That is her job. Right? As a congressperson, right. that is her job. So I don't know. Now, granted, a lot of people become lawmakers, congresspeople, to make money. Mm-hmm. After the fact or during the fact, which is gross, but um, not not untrue about a lot of people. So maybe she is just gearing up for the, you know, OAN or One News Newsmax, you know, career after mm-hmm. Congress. So she's just positioning herself in a position that's going to get her more money later. Like, or does she really believe this? And if she really believes it the the amount of siloing that you have to do for your own information for information getting in and the amount of levels of netting that you have to put up right. so that actual truth doesn't permeate that i i can't imagine living like that <laughs> like <laughs> that's what puzzles me about her personality the most is is that she seems to genuinely believe these things sort of very passionately she certainly appears to believe them, right which you know, she ha- she has access to true factual information. And she just eschews that for being lied to on the regular through these various mediums, whether it's direct, you know, reports from people in her office or from these news organizations, and I use that term very loosely, mm-hmm. on the right that are pure propaganda machines, everything from Fox to Newsmax to OAN, to mm-hmm. you know, all of these things that are not in any way what a clear-thinking person could consider to be news sources right. um, as news sources. And that's all she takes in, which I guess is feasible. But when you have access to committee notes, because you are, in fact, in Congress, like, why would you not avail yourself of those I, I things? it's... When I saw her chasing down Sandy Hook survivors and hectoring them, and mm-hmm. then when one of them turned on her, like, she suddenly announces, I have a gun. Rather, I'm armed. Because she's, it's, her expression changed. And he didn't turn on her violently. He just turned to confront her because he was trying to get away from her. And it, that kind of level of harassment, I don't understand how much longer that can be tolerated here or when when you have innocent people who are being murdered and she's mm-hmm. accused of being crisis actors or in this case she's literally comparing 
Donald Trump, who is, correct me if I'm wrong, he is paying, uh, or he's in trouble because he's a, he he's covered tr- up his he, payments, hush money to a, a adult film star? Yes. That he, uh, well, not just a, a sex worker. Okay. Um, because the payments that he was making were so she wouldn't tell him about previous payments that he had made to have right. um, an, an evening with her. And he he paid for her time at some point in the 90s, I believe, um, one night. And they did what a sex worker and the person who pays for a sex worker yeah. do. Uh, and then he, right before he was running for president, um, used his fixer an attorney, his attorney, but this attorney right. is a fixer. That's what he does. Um, to uh, basically shut her up so she couldn't talk about the fact that he had enlisted her services uh, previously to help him win the election. Now, um, that that's all fine if he had just paid it out of his own money, but he didn't. Uh, they forged, they forged, they faked invoices to Michael Cohen for just regular mm. professional services and, and hid the payments as professionals, as payments to Michael Cohen, which he then turned around and gave to Stormy Daniels. Okay, so... So they altered what was in the books so that this chunk of money that came out of, I believe, the Trump Foundation, it was either the Trump Foundation or the, the business, the Trump business. It mm. wasn't Trump's money. First of all, it was the business's money um, to pay off this woman, which, as as it, Neil Brennan, I'm seeing a lot of comics talking about, you know, he's so mad about this because it's hush money, and this is the least hushed. <laughs> everybody knows. Everybody already knows. So it's wasted money on top of everything well, he, else. He, he doesn't seem to be terribly bright about things, and he does seem to sort of think that everything is under his control. He but, does, because he's still in a position right. where what he says, people believe, regardless of whether or not it's true, right. and he still, at the age of 77 or whatever he is, has not had any kind anything. of consequence right. to his behavior. And if you never have consequence to bad behavior, then you've got to assume that your behavior is fine. <laughs> because there's consequences for other people. Well, yeah. <laughs> and that, that's kind of what... It, I, I don't know that he believes his behavior is fine necessarily, but he does believe that he is not going to fall... Right. Uh, he thinks that he's above... Right. ...the mortals that get caught up by the FBI and, and the New York police and... Right. And George's DAs. And, I it, mean, just, it seems so strange to compare because you're, she's saying uh, Donald, lots of people got arrested, Donald Trump, and then Jesus Christ. She goes yes. there. Right. Well, so did Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg and Jesus have stuff in common, right? Snoop they both Dogg got and arrested. Jesus do have stuff in common. <laughs> right? They both got arrested. But she I wants mean, to put it in the position, in, in the framing right. with the Mandela and the Jesus. Right. As of unjust a political persecution, right? Right, against the very fabric of who who these people are. That's what it is. Trump isn't being indicted because he did something wrong. Trump's being indicted because people don't like him. 
Yes, but he did something that, wrong. <laughs> I agree with yes, you. Yes, exactly. But that is the right. that is the argument that she is making. And it's an argument a lot of people believe. A lot of people on the right, whether they're Trumpers or not, mm -hmm. don't see the point in doing all of this because he's not going to go to jail anyways. And I will argue. Here's Here's my bet. He's not safe from jail, and here's why. He has a mouth. And he doesn't stop running And he it. never stops. No. And I could see a judge putting him in jail for contempt of court. That is, the, that is the clearest jailing for Donald Trump that I can see. And it may be only for three days. Like, it may mm. not be. But that should disqualify him from some things if the... Right. If the if the powers that be have any say, like, if there are powers that be, you could make it now illegal for him to run for office. Mm. Like, I personally think that maybe there should be a law in the books that if you're actively under indictment, you can't be running for office anywhere. Right. Because we're seeing these politicians, like in Orange County, get voted in, and then in the next month get put in jail <laughs> and then we have to do these elections over again and that is just a drain on the public mm -hmm. system that money could be used for something else like right. i don't know housing people or feeding well, there them. should be some sort of review for it because i mean it, a person who is imprisoned by an, a corrupt government for right but yeah. that's not where we're that's at that's not where we're at and that's, that's not where we're at she's that's where we're that, going right that's where she's trying to cast it as yes. if He's a good man who's being pulled in because he has these enemies like Jesus or like Nelson Mandela. Um, and instead, he's just a man. He's a dirty old man who got caught doing something dirty and then covering it up. And then lying about it. Yeah. Which is the opposite, I guess. It's it's. Thank you for clearing that up for me because I'm going, maybe I'm just so focused on my own outrage, I can't see exactly what the point is that she was trying yeah, to make. The point that she's making, because it's mm -hmm. both Nelson Mandela right. and Jesus, we're talking about political rivals. We're talking about this is politics that got him put in jail, not right. his bad behavior. Without actually speaking to his behavior at all. Mm -hmm. If you just make those comparisons and then walk away then what we're left with is, oh, it's political persecution right. without actually looking at the facts of the cases in at, question. At the risk of being really critical of, of her intelligence. I don't uh, think that she has the ability to do that. No, she's... Because she doesn't... She's not particularly bright. It, she may be a very smart woman, mm -hmm. but everything that she says out loud with her chest right. into into cameras would indicate a different to me. She does not present herself yeah. as an informed, intelligent, thoughtful person. She just doesn't she just doesn't yeah. give me that vibe. Um and it is possible that she's an ex extremely informed, intelligent, thoughtful person and and all of that is behind the scenes, and what she has determined that is best for her is this heinous, um, idiotic persona, mm -hmm. in which case I still don't have any respect for no, her. I can't because so I don't have respect for her whether right. that's real or whether it is polished and put forward on purpose. Both are bad. I think uh, yeah. one is one is 
arguably worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but also, I I don't know. Do I kind of wish or like hope that if you got elected to a position of power as she has been, that she is thinking critically about the things that she is saying and doing, and it is part of a strategy. It's scarier to think that that is the case. And then that she just puts this sort of batty, mm-hmm. fundamentalist, fanatic, um, gun-crazed, you know, push-up or pull-up doing weirdo, <laughs> transphobe, as this is my best self for right. for what I'm doing. Like, if that that is the calculated move, ew, ew, ew. So, she represents Georgia, right? She is a representative of Georgia, yes. She's not going to be elected to a higher office. She, I do not believe, could hold a Senate seat in Georgia, no. She could I not, think, right. I think she is... She is now in charge of the most people. Like, she can't right. get, get the votes from a, a larger and, and subset kind of, so of on Georgia. On the one hand, that makes me happy. Right. But on the other hand, I, I wonder if she knows this is as far as she can go. This is the level. She's reached her level now. Well, this is why I'm wondering if she's auditioning, basically, right, exactly. for Fox News. But I don't... Or, or something similar, where right. she can get $20 million a year until the wheels fall off. Yeah. And then write books and go on speaking tours. Ew. You know people are going to pay her a lot of money to come and talk, and she's going to sound like she sounds. Right. She's going to say all sorts of outrageous things. Who was the author that we... uh, The the angry blonde woman from our time, um, when we were at Cody's. The angry blonde woman from our time. angry, Angry blonde Republican woman, or conservative woman. Whose name just escapes me? Who I don't uh, have a recollection of. Right, of she, who we're talking about. but there seems to be one every every ten years or something. A new one shows up. Oh, are you talking about Anne? Anne Coulter? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. And she was on the book tour. Oh, yeah, she, well, she's a writer. Right. I mean, um, ostensibly, if you've ever written her writing, she's not really much of a writer. But. Have you ever read her writing? Uh, I've read uh, chapters. Mm. I, she's a terrible writer, right. but also she's a a vomitous human being. Like well, she's, she's a preaching to the person. choir. She is. essentially to people who already believe that black people are inferior, that uh, gay people should be kept out of public life, that kind of yeah. thing. Um, she's just affirming what they believe in very vituperative language, and doing it at the top of her voice. So she's getting that kind of approval from them. And yeah, so it seems like there's just one, as soon as one settles down, the other one pops up like the teeth of the Hydra or something. Uh, I don't know. It, it seems to me that, that um, you're right. Trump hasn't faced any consequences, but neither has Marjorie Taylor Greene. No real consequences for shouting out that uh, one of her, uh, Fellow politicians is uh, had uh, sex relations with a, a Chinese spy, or for sending her aides out to hunt down Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and harass her. But that's what we're talking about next. That's what we're talking about next. Consequences. Okay.
Next up, we talk about one of the myriad possibilities for post-life. In the morning, you know. I willingly believe the damned are, in one sense, successful rebels to the end, that the doors of hell are locked on the inside. C.S. Lewis Christianity is a broad, ancient, and diverse faith. There are many beliefs about an afterlife, and they come from different sources, including pagan religions. So, where do we start? Where we always do. Amity. Ah! Heavenly host. Uh What is your perception of hell, and where do you get the idea from? Uh, What do you mean by my perception? What do you believe it is... If okay, first of all, do you believe that it exists? There you go. <laughs> like we're gonna have to start further back. Further than back, that. roll back, because we're doing again hell, purgatory, heaven. That's what we're gonna do the next three, uh, the if, next two after this. If hell mm-hmm. um, is defined as a eternal torture for the souls of deceased human beings. Mm-hmm. I do not believe in hell. If that's how we're defining hell, I cannot, I, I can't fathom. I can't, like, I can't even comprehend the injustice of eternal damnation for what someone on earth considers a sin. Okay. Are there people who have lived who deserve eternal damnation? Maybe like five. Maybe like five people. But for that to be the majority of what Mm. happens, because you didn't go to church that one Sunday, or you, um, you know, didn't respect your parents the way that your church said you should have, or you swore, or you didn't go to church, or you never took Jesus as your Lord and Savior, even though you are a decent and good person every day Mm. on this earth, you are damned to hell for eternity. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not signing up for any religion mm-hmm. who would do that to anyone. If you're telling me Hitler went to hell, he's down there with Pol Pot. Putin's gonna go. Like there are certain people. Right. I think maybe billionaires, people of the billionaire class, maybe <laughs> maybe deserve to go to hell. Okay. Maybe Elon Musk deserves to go to hell. But maybe not even that. If you could do so much good and you ought to do no good at all, that's that's tough. I still don't think eternal torture mm-hmm. is commiserate with anything a human being can do while on this earth. Okay. Except maybe be the end of this earth and all humanity. That might be the one thing. But, like, that's... It it just feels but, so completely out of proportion. When I say hell, though, what is the picture that comes to mind? Also, I don't have a picture of okay. hell. I've read Purgatory. I've read um, uh, the Inferno. I've mm-hmm. read Dante's Inferno. I like the idea of a cold hell over a, over a hot hell, but I don't have a picture of hell because I just cannot fathom mm. that there is a real dimension because it's not a place it's not like the middle of the world or whatever although i mm. think that's what people think oh the middle of the world is hot so and it's down so it must be the middle of the earth where we're just soaking in magma with all of our nerves exposed 
forever for not saying bless you. Like, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> and if if God really just wants to torture us eternally, then we're just going to come back. It's That's just reincarnation. That's yeah. just humanity that's over torture. and over again. That's torture. <laughs> well, there's other people. Interesting. Uh, we're going to read a passage, or rather you are, in which Jesus completely agrees with you about, oh. <laughs> about being there. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So asking most people, uh, they tell you images from the book of Revelations. Right. It's a metaphorical book where nearly everything is expressed in symbols. An evangelical Christian will tell you that there is a literal lake of fire and burning torment, believing it wholeheartedly, and overlook passages involving, well, seven-headed dragons raising from the sea, and locusts with human faces and stinging men with scorpion tails. So, once again, picking and choosing... The vision of hell that involves fiery torment where Satan sits on a... Th- You're distracting me right now. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I that see you it wouldn't see it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, I apologize. I'm against myself. I'm just a tapper. Like, I'm just, okay. I need, like, a fidget. <laughs> it's like, wait, why is my screen doing that? I didn't need <laughs> And the vision of hell that involves fiery torment where Satan sits on a throne ruling an army of demons... That's nowhere in the Bible. As a matter of fact, it seems to be the creation of heavy metal musicians. Yeah, right. Album uh, covers. Yes. That's where that comes from. Or like the Malleus Maleficarum. Like the 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 the, mm-hmm. the witch hunters would come up with these ideas of the devil and his right his area of influence. Well, that's that's kind of when um, when at the Book of Revelations, there's a judgment day. There's an Armageddon. The world is purged of evil. All the great and small line up before the throne of God, and he says to his right and to his left. And he, in the book of Revelations, the Apocalypse, puts the people on his left, which is where we get the word sinister from, left, Mm. go to the hell prepared for the devil and his angels. It's not meant for human beings. And then the devil is put in first, and all of the evil angels, and then... The, the unrighteous. And so I always thought it was a kid when I was... So he it was originally created as basically a prison for the angels that... Um, rebelled. Rebelled. The angels in the, in the Bible are... <laughs> terrifying. Deeply yes. terrifying beings. They are covered in eyes. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> they have four faces oh. and eyes and six wings and they're, they're, they are very, very frightening. It's a lot. But the idea is that it was never intended for human beings. And the other idea is that the devil doesn't get put there until after the end of the world. So this vision of... So there's no hell right now. No. That's, That's that funny. Is from the actual book, right? So are we just in bubbles waiting? Just our souls just in a bubble? Okay. Where will we end up? Am I unrighteous? Who knows? So... Um, Here's something that's interesting. The vision of hell in Christianity, in Christian eschatology, is widely varied. So the Old Testament had beliefs about an afterlife, including a place called Sheol. Have you ever heard of it? Sheol? No. Mm -hmm. It's a place beneath the earth that we walk on, which is probably where the center of the earth idea came in, Mm. where the spirits of the dead... uh, Oh, I gotta say a thing. Uh-huh. For Sheol cannot thank you, death cannot praise you, those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. Isaiah thirty-eight eighteen. Uh, if I look for Sheol as my home, I make my bed in the darkness. If I call to the pit, 
you are my father to the worm, my mother, my sister, where now is my hope, and who regards my hope? Will it go down with me to Sheol? Shall we go together shall we shall we together go down into the dust? Job seventeen thirteen to sixteen. When a cloud vanishes it is gone, so he who has gone down to Sheol does not come up. Job seven nineteen. This all feels like Hades. It feels like Greek myth. Mm-hmm. So the idea was um when a person died and uh, now remember the Bible had many different writers. Yes. The Old Testament particularly had many yep. different writers. It wasn't just one named God. That's no. not and so some of their, their ideas aren't consistent with the other ideas of other writers. And you can see it evolving over time. And in the cases that we just looked at, that shows the Hebrew idea really before other ideas began to Those are all uh, Old Testament books, Job and yes. Isaiah. Uh, so these are the, they believed, it seemed, the, the, the belief in general was, you died and then you went down to the pit. And you were there and you had no memory of your life. Uh, you become a shadow. You don't recall your former life at all. Everyone goes there. Only exceptionally good and holy people are spared. Some texts indicate that all people go there. If you look these scriptures up in a Bible, the current Bible, you'll find that the word hell is replaced Sheol in many translations. Hell is the name of a pagan goddess. Thor's sister. Thor's sister. She's in a movie, even. She's played by Kate Blanchett, and she's got big horns. (laughs) Well, but that's when, at some point, this is kind of like the, the idea of ancient Hebrew people about what happens after you die. Um, in the second century BC, Ptolemy II, son of Alexander the Great's general, was a ruler of a Hellenized state in Egypt. He was a great patron of the arts and knowledge, and he wanted a translation of uh, laws and religion of the Jews. He commissioned what we now call the Septuagint. It means 72, and it's for the 72 scholars, six from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And they produced a translation that was used even, it, it influences the Bible now. It was used for the King James. But it began a conversation between Jewish and Greek ideas. Mm-hmm. And this is when Hades comes mm-hmm. into their uh, their belief system. Okay. All right. So I was and right. So with these additional... But the thing is, Sheol existed before. Right. Uh, they were aware of Hades, maybe. Right. Uh, we can't tell, But it's of course. a similar... It's a very similar idea. Unsurprisingly, there are similar ideas in ancient... Right. Now, with these additional ideas came the notion of uh, punishment for wickedness, and the idea of Hades became accepted instead of a place of emptiness, were treated to a place of torment. Now, remember that the Jews were also taken into captivity from Babylon when we read about Daniel. Yeah. They absorbed some of the ideas from the Babylonians as well. There, the Babylonians had a very, as far as we can tell, and again, we're with texts that are that old, we're getting a reflection of what they believed at the time. Right. So it's we don't have a complete uh, cohesive idea of what they thought about what happened to you after you died. But Babylonian... Right. Plus there's a bunch of extra Gospels that aren't included here that may have ideas. Right. But we, 
It's not on the usuals. You have to go to the Gnostics and the things like that. I just saw there was another Bible uh, book found. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I have to look that one up. But the Babylonians believed that the world was haunted by demons. And it was only through the um, the use of incantations and spells and ritual objects that you could drive them away. And so that also became a part of, of Judaism. The devil really doesn't appear as a figure, not a devil that would be recognizable to modern Christians in any event, mm. until after the captivity. There is a devil who shows up in the book of Job, who's the adversary, who actually works, um, works for God in tempting the righteous to see if they are faithful. The book of Job is very problematic as it is. Well, yes. Yes. But also it's just like... And I think my Jewish friends and the and the Jewish scholars that I know and the Jewish people that I know would agree with me on this, where it was like, we really were trying some things with some of these books. Yeah. Um, I do not think now that most Jewish people think that God is quite as petty as the God in their books. <laughs> well, God is very tribal in the very beginning. He sure, because it Abraham, was dangerous not right? to be. Like, that is the way the and world was. And he becomes was. one God among many gods. As time progressed, he becomes bigger and greater. And we've talked about how during the captivity in Babylon, it suddenly became the notion of a single God who rules everything and uses the adversity that you suffer as a way of purifying you. It all, like, it kind of makes me laugh that everybody thinks that the first, um, the first commandment is thou shalt not kill, which is mm-hmm. like the last one. Uh, I'm like, no, 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 no. No other gods before me is the first thing. Right. Thereby stating in in the premise mm-hmm. that there are other gods. Right. And all through the book of um, <laughs> like, all through the the early the settlement of what eventually became Israel, uh, there's there's these contests between God and uh Jehovah and Dagon. Uh just which, the Olympics, just biblical Olympics. Well just... no no, the, what they are is that um not contests in the terms of, uh, you know, who, well, no, it is more, who is more powerful because the Philistines are constantly being routed because the Jews are carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They have the one, the symbol of the one true God. Mm. They go off into, it's, it's a very interesting story, but you see how over time this became, no, there are no other gods. There's just the one. Mm-hmm. So, by the time we get to Jesus, and we know that Jesus lived in a cosmopolitan area with lots of influences from Romans and Greeks, mm-hmm. he possibly went to a Greek theater. That's where where he learned terms like hypocrite. We talked about that too. It's my favorite word and my least favorite thing. But he he uses a lot, and he's you know people wearing masks or hiding behind masks. So when Jesus mentions hell. It's also influenced not only by apocalyptic Judaism, which was big at the time. Okay. Um, was very popular. Big at the time. I well, like the Essenes, <laughs> uh, who wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls, 
they uh, they wrote apocalyptic imagery from the book of Daniel, mm-hmm. uh, and that includes visions of a tormented afterlife. So Jesus included that, but Jesus speaks about hell in a kind of a different way. Um, when Jesus mentions hell, or you know the concept, because the word wasn't introduced until the fourth right. century, right? He does so eleven times in the Synoptic Gospels. It's in contrast with the kingdom of heaven, uh, the kingdom that he's sent to establish. We're gonna we're gonna do not all of them, but we're gonna do some of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Matthew ten twenty eight. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung ab- hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go to hell, go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Mark nine forty two forty eight. So is that saying like before you mess up, or in reta- or in in response to messing up? You know, if you're continuing, if there's something that you're doing that is constantly causing you to sin, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Okay. Right. Um, but no. if you stop, there is a way to... That mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that yeah. you are, uh, no, you're you're no. still on the hook. Right. No. Okay. So yeah. interesting. So there, even in this gory mm-hmm. <laughs> little bit of uh, advice from Mark here, or, uh, here or, uh, it's not Mark, it's Jesus, Jesus saying right. this, right? Um, he's still saying you can repent, right? Because he was, for the things that you you just gotta stop doing that. Right. You can't keep doing the thing. The okay. first uh, citation there is well, one of the few times he mentions hell because he doesn't mention it all that often. And then when he's talking about these little ones, he's actually talking about children that have been gathered around him. And he's like, no, Jesus had a thing about hypocrites. Rich people and people who hurt children did not like it. Did not like that at all. But Mm -hmm. that's not how this is worded, though. If anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better for them. Better for who? It would be better for the person who's causing them to stumble to have a millstone put around their neck and that to be dumped in the ocean. Rather than the, uh, yeah, yeah. It, but it just—I don't know. Maybe he is alluding to interfering with children in such a roundabout way that that's not because it also feels to me like anybody who would be, con- you know, convicted of something like contributing to the delinquency of a minor, mm-hmm. right? Buying some, them something to drink or allowing them yeah. to do something outside of the bound of their years, um, not just, you know, abusing them in some way. Right. Because uh, causing them to stumble means, I would think, making them do things that they shouldn't be doing rather than 
taking advantage of them unless he is putting some victim blame on here and then I don't like that no, no, where the, where the where the stumbling would be being taken advantage of mm-hmm. um, and you know participating in acts that are not favorably looked on by the church through no fault of their own because they're children <laughs> and if you're gonna and if you're gonna punish that baby, once again, I'm stepping mm-hmm. away from this because no, no the, the, the vast injustice in that is not not okay with me. Okay. When he goes on to say, I mean, because uh, absolutely he does not victim blame. He is not going to blame the children. He's going to blame people who hurt children in any way, shape, or form. And he's also talking in a larger sense about people who take advantage of other people. Mm-hmm. And which he does not like schemers. He does not, none of that. See our first section where then, um, here's another reason why Trump and Jesus should absolutely not be mentioned in the same breath. It's well, yeah, that. Sorry, I just did it. I apologize. So, one of the his view of hell is he didn't say, of course, again, the word hell. He would say the Valley of Hymnom, or another way that word is translated is Gehenna. Gehenna. And Gehenna has now come to mean fiery hell. And he talks about it, but he's alluding to something that is kind of lost to history, What what's meant by it. He is talking in, it appears to be metaphors. There was a belief for a while that hasn't been able to, we haven't been able to track that to a a reputable source, accurate source, that um, Gehenna was a a dump where things were perpetually on fire. Interesting. However, it was... That's just Rome at some point. (laughs) Sorry. There was a a place (laughs) that, uh, the Valley of Hymnon, which you can actually visit, it's now a park, (laughs) believe it or not, but... It was at one time apparently used, uh, it had an evil reputation for being where children were sacrificed. Oh, Lord. Uh, back when um, Joshua and his army were running through the land trying to liberate it from the, the Philistines. Philistines. So um, he's making a reference to something, and this puts a different level to what he means when he's speaking, because he's obviously referring to something that's inside of their belief system. Right. So it doesn't even say whether he believes that himself he's just saying this is what's going to happen you'll wind up there like those people right the horrible end that jesus describes was meant to shock people out of despondency into action he was showing salvation was not a matter of taking sacrifices at the temple or following dietary laws or rules but a person taking uh it all very personal and very serious if your hand offends you cut it off so he's a lot he says things that seem to upset the world. He just says things that at first glance don't make sense and they seem really horrible, but then you go, oh wait, no, he's trying to shock you because up until then right. they had become really complacent. Right. And, and he, he still become really I don't think he actually, well, he may actually mean cut it off, but I'm like, mm, unless there's universal health care and right. a, um, some sort of safety net for people without feet, uh, no, I'm not going to do that because I can't survive. So you're basically condemning me to death. Right. No, he's talking about something else. He's talking about just finding a way to eliminate from yourself all the things that are um, that are Soiling dragging you. you. Well, it's very much like uh, the Buddhists. They have these 
ritual knives in Tibetan Buddhism. And I always wondered what they Your were for. Your favorite thing, a ritual knife. <laughs> and I'm looking at it and going, well, what does it do? And it's like, well, it's meant to cut away your illusions. And I thought, well, there we are. <laughs> That's a very similar idea. It's like, just take off the things that are dragging you down. Yeah. Cut away these things that are pulling at you. Yeah. And so it's like, if not, you'll wind up in this hell that you're talking about. Now, he does mention a hell in an extended story, which you're about to read and be very happy with. All right. Hopefully I don't mess it up too badly. He won't. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried, and in, and in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off, and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus, in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg of you, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have no they they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, if someone goes to them from the dead they will repent. He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. I don't have an attribution. Oh, this is, well, Jesus is telling, this, this is one of his parables. Again, it's not meant to be taken literally any more than when he says camels going through the eyes of needles. This is a different or, Lazarus, right? This, this is not the same Lazarus now. This isn't the apparently from the dead Lazarus. Common name. I guess so. It's a good name. Right. Z, Z names are cool. But so... So this dude is like, I'd love a sip of water. Could, could he he send me just a sip of water? And uh, and Abraham's like, he just came to you for scraps of your table and he died. You didn't <laughs> give them to him, so yeah, nah. <laughs> Once again, though, we're talking about eternity versus 30 years, mm -hmm. 40 years on this earth where yeah. you were a, a real jerk. But I don't think that those two things are commensurate. I do think it is funny that he is like, no, you really got to <laughs> tell them like directly. Like they are really not going <laughs> to listen. And, and Abraham, I guess, is like, well, we gave you all of the signs and you decided to work them out in a way that makes no sense. So, yeah, that's. I guess. Forget you for eternity is what it's about. Aside from the eternal element, I thought you would appreciate this story because oh, yeah. it's very much like... <laughs> I just, I cannot, I, I literally cannot fathom uh -huh. being able to wake up in the morning. And you, you can't solve something like homelessness or hunger. But you could go a long way for a lot of people right. today. 
and you just choose to get on Twitter and call people ugly instead. That's what you decide to do today. And name your child a string of letters that just look like a cat walked over a keyboard. (laughs) I just... No, I understand. That's how you're going to... That's how you spend all of that money. Yeah. Also, I really feel like the the presence of so many callous billionaires Mm -hmm. at this stage kind of proves to me that there's no... <laughs> There's no God. Why? Why would God give all of the money to to the God worst give people? Him the money. Talk to prosperity gospel people. Well, Lemuel people are wrong. <laughs> See what Can't I like? Can't choose. Jesus They're all Christians, is, which means Jesus must be sanctioning these things. Jesus, un, uniformly, consistently. Was anti-rich people. Anti-rich people. And yes. Anti-anti-anti-rich people. I don't know how they twist it so that they can make some sort of sense of what their actions are, but it, he is so completely and totally anti-rich, anti-wealthy, anti... Because here is a perfect example. He's telling these people a story, and he tells them about a rich man who just lives ignoring his fellow man who's suffering, who's injured, and he lives and he eats well and then he dies and he winds up burning, right? Um, Which is one of the reasons I like this one. Again, I do not believe that he intended this to be taken literally like many of his other parables, like the particle sun that we talked about earlier. His point is really obvious. Those living in luxury, showing no compassion or sympathy must receive punishment. Now, is it eternal punishment? Will punishing people eternally with no hope of salvation, what will it achieve? Yes, there are some who deserve horrible things to happen in payment for their actions, particularly their actions against others. The police officer who kills a black man kneeling on his neck under the state-granted authority, the clergy who uses religion as a way to gain the trust of children before he abuses them, the young men who assault and beat to death another young man because he's gay. Those people deserve punishment, but is eternal punishment going to manage anything? I think that... I mean, I don't know, but it also has leaked into our carceral system, right? Right. Where you're given five years, then you get out and you're on parole for five years, then you have to tell people forever that mm-hmm. you were a convicted felon, which leads you to not be able to get jobs and places to live and et right. cetera, et cetera. So at some point, the sentence has to end. If we believe that the carceral system is... Um, uh, what's the word? Um, rehabilitative, mm-hmm. which we don't, because we don't have a rehabilitative carceral system then once you pay your debt, you should be free so, to live your life however. What is your thinking on it then? What is my thinking on what? What do you mean? Um, because you brought up the carceral system and you're... I feel it to like that. the reason, like, the, 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 the Judeo-Christian mindset of mm-hmm. the people that make the rules in this country have in their head hell 
for the same for the people that they're punishing here with jail mm-hmm. as they do for they're like no 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 once you do something wrong that's it forever literally forever so forever for your time here and then you're going to go to hell afterwards and you're just going to be tormented forever there's no salvation for you mm. which really means there's no salvation for anybody because if you think that you can't make a mistake but that person could sorry but you're closer to them than you are to god <laughs> <laughs> just like you're closer to the poor person, you're closer to every person in this country mm-hmm. is closer to an unhoused person than Elon Musk, right? Except like five people. I mean, who Elon Musk was completely on mind in my mind when I was like um, copying the passage of the rich man going. Oh to no, hell. of course. It's like, oh yeah, that's that's I can see that. Um, I think that in all these descriptions of hell. The idea of eternal torment really comes in at the very end when it's talking about the devil and his angels, but it's the ideas that it draws from, the Bible, or the biblical ideas that Christianity draws its ideas of hell from, are really varied. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it's almost like you can go, what is what is it trying to say to us here? Mm-hmm. And one of the ideas, or that, that variety of ideas has led to different opinions in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pope recently talked about how hell was a state of mind for those who've, or a state of being in which you've actively rejected God, who's a source of joy and life and love and all these things. It's like when you've actually, that's hell. Um, there are some, uh, there are some churches that hold the doctrine of annihilation, which is you just die. (laughs) That's it. But dying in itself and not being able to have the 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 hope of coming back again is what is healthy, you know. Uh, what functions as hell, mm-hmm. uh, and then there's a number of people who believe that hell, as as such, and again, it's weird using that word now, knowing that it's there's a group of words that are Hades, Tartarus, all of these things, that it's meant to it's never permanent there are just some people who will be there for a very 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 long time right but there's not a very clear definition of what it's supposed to mean the, re- the to reality be. is the idea is right you're mm. under eternal torment one day mm-hmm. of non-stop torture like one human day, one 24-hour period, mm. is eternal torture. Right. That is, that is, because our brains, and I don't, we don't have our brains with us, mm-hmm. but our brains can't conceive if torture has been going on for that long and hasn't stopped, our brains then stop being able to conceive of a time when it'll stop. Right. Like, so... <laughs> so when, I think that when... When Jesus is mentioning hell, he's mentioning something that a group of people who are listening to him would understand, which is physical torment. Um, I think that as we now, because religions change over time, and we can see that progression from the very beginning with Abraham and then through Moses, and there's these sort of jumps that it takes mm-hmm. where it's getting further and further into something bigger and greater. And so I see that, I don't know that hell 
is a doctrine that is abandoned, but I think it needs to be rethought because it's not very clear what it was supposed to mean in the first place. Hmm. And yeah. No, it feels like people ran with it before they really right. worked it out, and, and so, then now they're sort of stuck with it. So whatever Jesus is referring to, we don't know because we don't have a lot of writings from that uh, contemporaneous period. Um, and we can kind of put it together, or what uh, what they meant by Sheol, we've sort of put together a little bit better. But at the same time, it's borrowing a lot of, it seems to incorporate a lot of Greek ideas from early translators. It it seems to borrow a lot of ideas from other cultures, because every culture seems to have its own version of hell, at least as far as I could find. And they all seem to involve lots and lots of torments and monsters. And and that was something that struck me, because in the end, it's like, where do these ideas come from? People. The lurid pictures of monsters that torture, tormented, the tormented, these ideas come from us. Right. The hell described in the scriptures is a range of things, from a twilight world where people wander nameless with no identity or memory, to an actively burning torment. Having a range of choices, why is the torment uh, from monsters has been so influential? And it begs another question. Why do we need these horrible places, this collection of neuroses to be able to behave ourselves? Yeah. Marjorie Taylor Greene and Donald Trump and these people, we want them to get some sort of comeuppance. And sometimes people don't get that in life. Right. And you want them to be able to suffer something, but that says something about us too. I want them to... I want to be able to say... Well, they got theirs. My... My reasoning for wanting them to have a comeuppance of some mm -hmm. sort isn't... I don't have the feeling I want him to get his. Mm -hmm. I have the feeling of... I want the people who are looking up to him to understand that their behavior is negatively impacting people. Mm. And that's not okay. Right. And without him getting any kind of consequences for his bad behavior, that's not going to happen. Yes. Which endangers people that I care about. Queer people, trans people, people of color, mm -hmm. uh, poor people. All of these people are endangered by the running amok of these people. I don't care if they run amok, but they're hurting people actively when they're doing it. I, I found that, weirdly, the people who think a lot about hell are atheists. Interesting. Oddly, because when I talk to people who are atheists, the, the several of the friends that I've had, um, several of my friends, rather, they immediately, when they first find out about my religious convictions, will say, you believe I'm going to hell because I don't believe in Jesus. I'm going, I, did I ever say that? Did I ever mention hell? What? No, but, but do understand that right. every other person who has identified themselves as such has looked them in the face and said that to them. But so. here's the thing. If you don't believe in hell, what are you afraid of? Like, what is the, the issue with it's hell? Not, it's not... 
I'm not afraid of anything. No, I'm not saying you are. I'm talking about no, no, no. But but what that what you're telling me is, Mm -hmm. or 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 what Christianity is telling telling me is, if if when I meet Christians and they tell me Mm -hmm. that I'm going to hell, is that you think you're better than me, right? Regardless of anything about me. Okay. Yeah, you're automatically putting yourself above me in basically every possible way Mm -hmm. because you presume that I'm you know, ridden or headed towards eternal damnation. Right. <laughs> um, and that, and to put that on me mm-hmm. is pretty heinous. <laughs> so that's, I think, what it is. It's not, it's not a matter of the idea that, you, that I'm going to hell that I have a problem with. It's that your judgment that I have a problem with. Your judgment in a in a faith that says there can be no judge besides God. Mm-hmm. And yet here every Christian that wants to identify themselves to Christian to as Christian to me comes at me with, Oh, you seem so nice and together. It's too bad you're gonna burn in an eternal hell. <laughs> God. You're like it's one of funny. the best people I've ever met. It's too bad you're gonna burn in hell. Mm-hmm. Like like, don't you think it's, that your situation is so skewed if I'm one of the best people you know, right. but because I have not said the words, I take Jesus you, as my personal Lord and Savior, then I'm going to burn the Christian world. people, right? <laughs> Catholic, Protestant, every stripe. This is going to sound really weird. They make jokes about it. Oh, you're going to hell for that. You've heard that expression. Sure. We do it all the time. Do it amongst yourselves. Right. But that's the level of seriousness with which we take it sometimes. And going, oh, yeah, he's going to hell for that. We'll say things like that. And I noticed that with some of those friends I mentioned, they will look at me like, what? what?" And like, no, no, no. Uh I mean, you're actually going to hell. I myself, uh, when Christopher Hitchens died, uh, one of these same friends, said to me, well, are, are, are you happy now? Do you think he's in hell? It's like, God, I hope not. I mean, I don't want that for any, well, maybe some people. Uh, Adolf Hitler deserves to go to hell, but... And that's what I'm saying. There are, like, right. Pol Pot probably deserves to go there. Like, there are people there are who people. cause massive destruction and death. Like I said, Putin. But when I think but of... But, like... What but this sort of vision of hell is it's almost like we we want to get revenge through using this uh this story. Yeah. This prison that God made for his angels, not right. for us. Right. We're just horning in on it. <laughs> that brings us to the end of this week's episode. If you like it, please subscribe and leave us a review. And if you think about it. Share it with a friend. We have an internet home without workspodcast.com. Our show notes and links to stories we talk about can be found there. You can find us on Twitter at WithoutWorksPod. You can find us at Facebook by searching WithoutWorks in the search bar. And you can email us at WithoutWorksPod at gmail.com. All of those links are available on the website. So please head over there and take a look around. In the meantime, I've been Amity. He's been Lemuel, and we urge you to go out and do something good.